As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the latest edition of The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined as always by my colleague from The Athletic, Stuart Mandel. Stu, as we're taping this, it is just a few hours after the playoff rankings have been revealed. All the bowls have been revealed. It is a very, very uh, momentous day in the college football world for a couple of reasons. We'll get into some of what led to this final four. Cincinnati is in. Alabama pulled off. I don't even know if we could call anything Alabama does as an upset, but very few people were expecting Alabama to beat mighty Georgia. And they did soundly. Michigan wins a big 10 title. What is your big takeaway from this very, very involved Sunday morning? Certainly not the, it was a very, it ended up being a very clean final four. I'm not sure it's the, the four I would have predicted at the start of uh, at the start of the day, Saturday, at least not in that order. Um, you know, we went very quickly from after the dramatic Baylor, uh, fourth down stop to beat Oklahoma state at that moment, I'm thinking, Oh no, it's going to be, people are going to hate this, but it's going to come down to two loss Alabama and Notre Dame for the last spot. And it's just going to be an insufferable debate either way. And then, uh, Alabama went and said, you know what? No debate. We are going to uh, leave no doubt. Crush the Georgia team that had been allowing, I believe, five points a game before that. And uh, we're both going. So, I mean, how can you, you can't say anything other than who, anybody that says they thought there was a possibility that Alabama was not just going to beat Georgia, but put up 41 points on them, that Bryce Young was going to tear them to pieces. Come on. You can go ahead and play the, well, look at their schedule. They didn't end up playing anybody, et cetera, in hindsight. But I didn't hear anybody saying, no, after, after, you know, after uh, Alabama scored three points in the first 57 minutes against Auburn, they're going to come out and roll Georgia. It was a, it was really something to watch. Um, Bryce Young, look, I wrote a column early in the week that I think, you know, the only two players left that should be considered for the Heisman were two defensive players and 
I can't say that anymore. Not after he threw for uh, 440 yards and three touchdowns against a defense that was statistically the most dominant in the sport in 10 years. Uh, Were we wrong to try and maybe anoint this Georgia defense and the hype got a little out of hand, especially considering who the teams they had beaten were? I mean, I think you started pointing to it a few weeks ago, and I probably didn't take it seriously enough of, I mean, some of these teams Georgia beat were highly ranked at the time, but then as the season went on, Auburn ended up six and six. Um, you know, Florida it, ended Florida, up yeah, six like, and six. I mean, these are not very good teams, to be honest. If you look at the final committee ranking Sunday, the only team Georgia beat that's even in there is Clemson. And they didn't score a touchdown to beat Clemson. By the way, it was a pick six and a 10 to three game. So I think clearly, you know, probably should have taken that more seriously. In fact, I got to give some credit to, I don't have his name, but the, the mailbag reader, I believe last week, not this past week, the week before, who suggested they might be in for a 2006 Ohio State type comeuppance. And that's exactly what happened. They hadn't faced a, a premier quarterback like Bryce Young. And as dominant as, as no matter how many NFL players you have on your defense, as we know, when a really good quarterback like that is hot, um, there's not much you can do. But I also was a little baffled at, you know, this is it's a new game every season, as they say. If you had watched the Iron Bowl, Alabama could not block Auburn, could not get any protection for Bryce Young. And play after play after play, Bryce Young was just sitting back there with all the time in the world. And I mean, I just got to say, for most of the season, he was putting up good numbers, but it wasn't obvious like, hey, he's, you know, he's another, he's the ne- another or even the, even better than Tua. The, I would say starting with the Arkansas game when he threw for a whole bunch of yards and then the way he led them back against Auburn. And then this was just the, you know, the, the crown jewel performance. He has, Bryce Young has just emerged as the clear best quarterback in the country. And, um, and he's not working with the receiving core that, that uh, Tua and, and Mac Jones had. There were two guys yesterday, Jamison Williams, who was unbelievable and John Mechie, who had a bunch of big catches. And unfortunately, John Mechie tore his ACL and will not be available in the playoff, which is a, a big loss for Alabama. But yeah, kudos to Alabama. And then if you're a Georgia fan, my goodness, you got to be wondering, is this ever going to happen? Now they get their chance to go into the playoff, play Jim Harbaugh, you can win that game. You'll be, you know, something to be excited about. But man, if they play Alabama again, what's the blueprint here? You, you, this was supposed to be the year. So two things first on the, on the micro side to me, my, the biggest concern I'd heard for most of the year with Georgia was as good as they are and as deep as they are in the front seven, I'm not that sure about the secondary. Right. And I feel like that got exposed. Um, Also, again, not the greatest coaching performance there for George, for Georgia and Kirby smart on a big stage. We've seen this happen now quite a few times. Um, but I, I a bigger p- picture question I have for you and you touched on this or alluded to it. Georgia's three Cincinnati is four Cincinnati. This is what their resume is. They beat the number five team in the rankings, Notre Dame at Notre Dame. They beat them by double digits. They beat the number 20 team in the ranking Houston. All Georgia has is they beat Clemson. 
19. That's it. That is, oh, I'm sorry. They have George, they have Clemson and they have Arkansas. Arkansas is 21, right? Um, and they have a loss and they have a loss and they got whipped. It wasn't like it was like a three point game. The part I, I could see from the committee saying this is we don't want to put an Alabama Georgia rematch right out of the gate the next game. But if I'm Cincinnati, I'm like, why are we behind them? We have two, we have a better win, much better win than anything they have on the resume. And we haven't lost yet. So you I mean, I, I think, um, so, Beyond just Georgia being in the SEC and Georgia had been a strong number one, but honestly, kind of a fraudulent number one, given, you know, we outlined who they played. It wasn't like they have great wins there. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's pretty simple. Georgia has the number 20 strength of schedule. Cincinnati has the number 87. Okay, but what about the team where, like, where they have the strength of schedule? They just played Alabama and and got really blown off the field. Yeah, it's not like they have, it's not like Georgia has the high end wins, but they don't have any high end wins. Just knowing how the committee looks at strength of schedule, they're going to say, you know, and I don't have something right in front of me, but I'm guessing Georgia has six, seven wins over top 40 ish teams, and Cincinnati probably has two. So, how many wins does Georgia have over top 15? And let's not like the first, you know, let's not forget Georgia was as dominant as dominant can be for 12. Were they, they beat, they beat Clemson 10 to three and didn't score, didn't score an offensive touchdown. That ain't that dominant. That game was not dominant, but every game after that was. So, you know, against who Stu Mizzou. Are you really, I I remember us having this, this debate earlier in the Andy. Are you really going to sit here and say that you think Tulsa and Navy? No, but I'm going to sit here and say are better than those six and six sec teams. If that's the crap we're, we're kind of weeding it down to, all I'm saying is Georgia ain't got nothing close to winning at Notre Dame by, by double digits. You know, if like you can, you can definitely pick apart the AAC and I'm with you. It's not, it's nowhere near as good as the SEC. And it's nowhere near as good as the SEC East, but like Georgia's schedule is really, really mediocre when you look at a lot of these teams and they blew out bad teams. But they also do have a loss. And this wasn't a close game, actually. You know, what, what was the final score? They lost by 17. Um, I don't know. I, again, I think it's a combination of they are trying really hard not to react too much to one game, um, especially in a conference championship game. At the end of the day, Georgia lost. And it was a bad, you know, it was a lopsided loss. Nobody, nobody would disagree with that. But they lost to the number three team in the country, not some nobody. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you think I it has you, more to do with, they don't want the rematch, right? The next, no, game. they, they say they don't try to avoid that. Yeah. They know, say a lot of take stuff. them at their words, but yes, though, you know, I think the other thing, you know, and you, you hate this, but um, you know, if, if, if it's that obvious that Georgia is some fraud and has been totally exposed, et cetera, et cetera. Why are they, a seven and a half point favorite over number two seed Michigan in the what were uh, they, what was the spread at against Alabama? Uh six and a half, I believe. Okay. So yeah, it doesn't always go to form. Yeah. But if their if their goal is to pick the four best teams, not the four most deserving, you know, eight gazillion different metrics say that since that that uh Georgia is a better team than Cincinnati. But as I've been saying to people on Twitter who are and I don't really get this, you know, I, I agree with you. Like if I, if they were trying to avoid a semifinal rematch, whether, you know, that would make sense because I think nobody would want to, nobody wants to see them turn around and play each other again in the very next game. What I don't get 
as I have seen people suggest, they should have put them in the semifinal against each other so that they don't play in the national championship game. At some point, you know, if Georgia is a fraud, they will lose to Michigan and you'll be done with them. If they are what the committee says they are and what all these metrics say they are, they should beat Michigan. If Alabama is what people say they are, they and you know, they, if they both win their game and earn their way into the national championship. So what if it's a rematch? Like that's, that's what, you know, plenty of other sports have rematches in their, um, in their postseasons. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As the day went on, I'll be perfectly honest because I was my crew was doing the Mountain West game. The most football I really saw beyond my game was the Big Ten title game, which Michigan just dominated Iowa. And I watched a wild ACC game where Pitt ended up winning the ACC championship. Beyond what happened in the SEC and beyond kind of a, a wild finish in the Big 12, it seemed like it was a kind of a low wattage Saturday afternoon or Saturday entirely. Well, um, as the day went on, you had more and more blowouts, but I got to tell you the end of the Oklahoma state Baylor game was as, as wild an ending as I've ever seen. I mean, for it to come down to a four, you know, I mean, I was getting nervous watching this. It's, it's, it's fourth and goal at the one yard line. If they get it, they're going Oklahoma state gets it. They're going to the playoff probably. Although who knows how that debate with Cincinnati would have played out. Um, and if not, you know, they're, they're not even winning the big 12 title. And when, when Desmond Jackson, the running backs, you know, started racing to the corner, you know, you've seen that play a million times inevitably the running back beats the defender to the corner. In this case, the defender stayed lockstep and tackled him inches short of the goal line game over Baylor, big 12 champion. It doesn't get more. It was a very ugly game full of sloppiness, but, but what an ending. Yeah, look, um, I don't know. Congrats to Dave Aranda. A hell of a job that he he has done there to turn it around and win a Big 12 championship in year two. And I think to fit, to win it with defense seems very fitting. And with a backup quarterback who started the game about as hot as it gets. You know, second half, they weren't able to do much of anything on offense. I think Oklahoma State really, really missed Jalen Warren, their star running back who was hurt. They couldn't run the ball at all. And in fact, you could tell affected the play calling there uh, on the goal line. They had three chances to, or four chances to get in from the one and couldn't do it. Um, yeah. Good for Baylor. Uh, really missed opportunity for Oklahoma state. Um, that was a, you know, they've had a great season um, and maybe they, you know, if they beat Notre Dame in the festival, that will be a very satisfying ending for Oklahoma state fans. 
but it did seem like the playoff was right there for the taking. Uh, Cincinnati, um, you know, the atmosphere there looked incredible. In fact, I was like, man, I, maybe I should have gone to this. <laughs> Shouldn't I be back in my hometown for this momentous moment? But Justin Williams and Chris Vanini had it covered. Um, it looked like all of Nippert Stadium poured onto the field at the end of that game. Let's, I mean, I believe, I feel like you and I in, in the eight months leading up to this season must have had the same conversation on this podcast like 10 times. Can a group of five team make the playoff? And we were like, well, if they, they need to beat Notre Dame and Indiana, and then they need those teams to stay highly ranked. One of them did, one of them definitely did not. And then they need all the other conferences to have two lost champions. And by the and it, lo and behold, it, that's pretty much exactly how it worked out. And uh, it turns out it's not impossible for a group of five to make a four-team playoff. And, and, and on top of that, to, that Luke Fickle is there and gonna, it looks like will be there, uh, didn't end up the coach at Notre Dame. Just an amazing week for Bearcats fans. As somebody who grew up right there, um, is this kind of mind-boggling to you? Just never mind the past year, two, year or two, but just to see, wow, Cincinnati has a real – they have a real chance to win the national title. By the way, you know, you said it before. John Mechie is not going to play or not expected to play in the semifinal game. Yep. Cincinnati is really good. I wouldn't Cincinnati's be got Cincinnati. two All-America caliber cornerbacks. So and they have edge rushers who can get to the quarterback. It would not surprise me if Cincinnati beat Alabama. I don't feel like this is this is like a slam dunk game. Um I don't think I, it's a slam dunk game, but you know, lesson learned yesterday. You're not going to see me pick against Alabama for, for like another six years. <laughs> the rare time I picked against Alabama, uh, they made me look like a complete idiot, but yes, I, I, I think Jamison Williams has emerged as maybe the best receiver in the country this season, which is amazing given he was going to be a backup at Ohio state, but beyond him, they don't really have guys who have emerged, you know? So without Mechie, give me a percent be- chance you give Cincinnati to win that game. I will give Cincinnati a 20% chance to win that game. Okay. Not as optimistic as me, but what do you got? I give them a 35% chance. The only thing is like, it's a great story. I feel, you know, I'm, I'm happy for Cincinnati. They do have some defensive players who will definitely play in the NFL, but I often feel like these playoff semifinals is when Alabama just reminds you like, Oh yeah, they, they've got all the guys. I mean, think about poor, uh, Connor Cook and Michigan State and uh, the Jake Browning Washington team. Um, who am I forgetting here? Kyler Murray and Oklahoma. They just, they kill these teams in the semifinals. And so group of five or not Notre Dame last year, group of five or not group of five. All, I wouldn't like almost anyone's chances against Alabama in a semifinal. Well, I, it, the part I wonder about is will their offensive line be able to protect against Will Anderson and that group? I mean, Alec Pierce is a big-time matchup problem for Alabama. Uh, their starting running back is really explosive. He came from Alabama. He's yep. a special player. You got Desmond Ray. Boy, they, I, they wish they had him this year. Yeah, and they have, like they have, like I said, they have edge rushers and two good corners. They can be a problem. You know, I, I'm interested to see that game. We have plenty of time to talk about it. But um, you would that, ask me, I, you would ask me what it's like to see. I mean, Nippert Stadium is is has been upgraded, you know, several times since I was a kid. And it, if you watch on TV, you can tell like what a great stadium, what a great atmosphere it is. I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. The first college football game I ever, ever attended in person was the 1989 Cincinnati versus Rutgers season opener 
it was a tie finished in a tie uh, Cincinnati only won one game that entire season. I looked up the box score. The attendance at that game was 10,000. So, so you asked me that, that was my first experience with UC football. And here we are. I know it's a lo- many decades later, they are playing for the national championship. It is, it is surreal. Obviously it's, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, this has been a, a 15 year climb for that program. And all credit to Luke Fickle for for you know taking it that that next step, taking it to uh, you know from it was one thing to go to the Sugar Bowl, uh, but under Brian Kelly before he ditched them before the Sugar Bowl, something he seems to have a tendency to do. Uh, it's another to to be in the college football playoff. When was the last time you had that 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 uh, famous chili of of your hometown? Oh gosh, it's been a long time. I just saw Vanini post a picture of his. He's eating Skyline Coney's on the way out of town. I, I'm, I admire him for that. That was always my go-to. But um, if I, I'm going to be honest, if I ate Skyline Chili now, I'd yeah, be sick for days. Yeah, I think I think the point spread on your bowels versus <laughs> Skyline Chili would be a blowout. I mean, to be perfectly blunt, I'm lactose intolerant. You know, I I, am, I wasn't when I was younger. When I would go to Skyline, you know, that's probably 16, why you are at this point. All that. I mean, have you have you seen how much cheese they put on the top of a of Skyline? mounds and mounds of shredded cheddar cheese so no I, I don't think i would do too well with that but i still I'll, i stand up for it though wasn't there a there was like a new york mets yeah it was the the mets the mets uh play-by-play guy i think was mortified or disgusted by they showed yeah they it. showed a shot and he was he was just you know and i've seen that a lot of places spencer hall loves to to you know say crappy things about skyline chili on twitter i will defend the honor of skyline chili uh you just won't I eat just, it i just, just won't eat won't. it right now um so you got so we've talked about michigan uh well we didn't really talk michigan um it's it i feel like the ohio state michigan game i don't know about you but given everything that's happened since then feels like it was many months ago it was really only um eight days ago so i think because of that the shock factor wore off pretty quick for me and it didn't surprise me in the least to see them, uh, you know, beat the beat the crap out of uh, Iowa, who can't move the ball to save their lives. But let's not, you know, take it for granted that Jim Harbaugh, in the span of a year, goes from having to take a pay cut to 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 you know remain the coach there because people had such little confidence in him to number two team in the country, Big Ten champion. Michigan had not won a Big Ten championship since two thousand four if you can believe it. So just a, just a huge uh, moment for that program. Yeah. Michigan's run game is pretty ferocious right now. They lead the big 10, which is saying something to have, you know, even more than Wisconsin, even, you know, maybe this isn't the, the vintage Wisconsin run game, but still 224 yards per game kind of rampaging offense. I thought they were pretty creative. They hit some, some trick plays. Um, that's a say what you want about their offense. That's a really good defense. They they just tore up yesterday, and um, I don't know. I I feel like if this is a team that has improved a lot over the course of the year, their offensive line is good. You know, we have we know they have dominance up front on the defense. Like at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan could win a national title, or would. I'm not saying I would pick them to win it. I wouldn't be surprised though. I mean, they have an identity. They have nasty players on defense. I mean, they're playing with a ton of confidence right now. You used a word that I a hundred percent agree with identity. 
you know, as great as that Alabama performance was yesterday, that team has spent the entire season trying to figure out its identity. And now they just lost John Mechie. Um, they are a more talented team than Michigan, but so is Ohio state uh, in terms of Georgia. I mean, I think Georgia thought they had their identity and now they have to go back to the drawing board a little bit. And, and um, I can't believe Kirby smart is dealing with an, he, I mean, he, he will, I'm sure Stetson Bennett will start the game, but after yesterday, of course, Georgia fans, everybody's like, you really think you can win a national championship with him as your quarterback? You're going to, you're going to give JT Daniels another shot. Michigan knows their identity. You know who their key players are. You know what they're going to try to do. Uh, frankly, Aiden Hutchinson um, could make life really miserable uh, for um, Stetson Bennett. What do you think? Are you leaning toward picking Michigan? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm there. It's 50-50 for me, yeah. to be honest, at this point. Like, honestly, both games to me feel very – feel. I don't want to say 50-50, but one is 50-50. The other one is probably 65-35. Like the Mechie news, and I just, I think pe- people don't give, and this is maybe like, I forgot where I saw this, but people, some, I think maybe it was a Kirby comment that somebody was like, yeah, people don't give Nick Saban enough credit. It was like, we, we almost everybody who co- covers the sport considers him the greatest college football coach of all time. I do feel like people don't give Cincinnati by and large enough credit. This is not a normal, really good group of five team. They're much more talented than that. Yeah, they are. Uh, I just think, you know, there's a reason why you haven't seen a Cinderella type team win the national championship. And I'm not even just talking about group of five. Um, I feel like every year we talk ourselves in, I don't know, it's a definition of insanity. Every year we talk ourselves into, oh, somebody's going to knock off the SEC, knock off Clemson. And every year that's who wins the national championship. So as I sit here right now, Alabama or Georgia is going to win the national championship. But would it surprise me if Michigan won the national championship? No, because of exactly what you said. They're they're playing. They've frankly been pretty dominant all season long, save for um, that Nebraska game, which was uh, very close. And obviously, Michigan State they they blew that and lost. But I mean, they've they've been a very dominant team. They 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 know what they're doing. I will say, in terms of that matchup with Georgia, they don't necessarily have. Like, I'm not sure Cade McNamara is the quarterback that's going to exploit those corners you talked about. They're going to have to run the ball, and Georgia's really tough against the run. But um, I don't know. Georgia's not exactly inspiring confidence right now. Um, Before we go, the, I, I do want to ask you one other question, and we can get into this more on subsequent podcasts. But with the bowl pairings that have been announced, and so much attention, and probably rightly so, is going to be played on the final four. What kind of intrigued you of the pairings and your Mr. Bowl projections, you and our buddy McMurphy um, are, but you saw a lot of this coming down the pipeline, but what were the ones you're like, Ooh, I really, I'm excited about this game. You're talking new year six or anything. No, I'm talking anything. Well, I mean, I want to start before, I mean, I can, before we get into the Gasparilla bowl or whatever, I mean, let's acknowledge that, you know, Utah crushed Oregon Friday night again, and Kyle Whittingham is taking his team to the Rose bowl. And that's a really big deal whether it's, it's not the playoff, it's still the Rose bowl. And, uh, Chris Kamrani, uh, our, our salt Lake based writer, um, had a pretty, uh, you know, just a really well-written kind of column off the game about just the rise of this program. And it led with an anecdote of when, when, um, Utah 
joined the Pac-12 in 2010, the Chris Hill was the AD and somebody from the Rose Bowl was at the press conference. And that was the part he was getting most excited about. We're in a major conference now and we're, we have a chance to go to the Rose Bowl. And so here it is. And they're playing Ohio State. And Ohio State is probably a better team than Utah, although Utah has been playing as well as anybody down the stretch. But Ohio State is going to be that classic. Are they motivated? Do they care about this game? Or, or did their season, in their minds, did their season end um, in Ann Arbor the other day? Well, yeah, you also have a situation where we're expecting some changes on the defensive side of the ball for them. So how does that play out? I mean, that makes it a kind of a little bit of a delicate, um, little bit of a delicate dance there for them. Like it always is, honestly, in, in a lot of these bowl games. But just a really, uh, just a great story all around. Obviously, Utah um, dealt with two tragedies in the last year and, and started this season one and two. And then just by the end of the season, I mean, again, that's, that's one of those teams where, you know, if they had a 12 team playoff, uh, heck, even if they had an 18 playoff with automatic berths, you wouldn't want to play Utah in your first game. Okay, Stu, back to the podcast in a second, but now a word from our sponsor, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. When you are hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a jobs board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash audible. That's linkedin.com slash audible to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What about you? Let's just focus New Year's Six, which which is your favorite non-playoff matchup. If I had to pick one, I would probably lean towards the Fiesta Bowl because there's been so much attention on the transition in South Bend, and it's Marcus Freeman's first game. Oklahoma State's a really good defense. Um, I'm just fascinated. Right, right now I'm very intrigued by Notre Dame. I just think there's – it's just such an emotional – 
ride they have been on with all that happened with Brian Kelly's exit, as messy as it was, and pretty much everybody has stayed on that staff in South Bend. So I want to see how they play in their first game out. Yeah, it's I said this on Twitter yesterday, but somehow Brian Kelly has made uh, Notre Dame a feel good story. Um, so and and so I think there'll be a lot of people actually rooting for Notre Dame. And I, you know, I'd forgotten about this, but Notre Dame is 0 and 7 all time in BCS and New Year's Six Bowls. And I feel like, you know, a lot of those you expected them to lose. I remember they played Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl in 2015, and you just knew Ohio State was going to take out a season's worth of frustration on them. But um, they can win this game. They frankly should win this game. Uh, You know, and it it would be a heck of a debut for Marcus Freeman. I also like the Baylor Ole Miss Sugar Bowl uh, because it's Lane Kiffin versus Dave Aranda. I think both of those guys are considered, you know, Kiffin's considered one of the top offensive minds. Dave Miranda's considered one of the top defensive minds. Now let's go outside the the New Year's Six. Give me two games, two matchups that you're like, all right, I will keep an eye on this game. Okay, well, I think we're both going to agree on the best. It has nothing to do with the team. Best subplot. The subplot. Somehow the bowl gods... And by the way, you would think like one or both ADs would have tried to get out of this, but the Liberty Bowl on December 28th is going to pit Texas Tech against Mississippi State. Mike Leach against the school that he sued and still will tell you owes him millions of dollars in wrongful termination. And it's not like, I mean, I don't know if the Liberty, but most of these bowls do a press conference where the coaches have to fly in and do like a press conference to promote the game. Mike Leach is not going to like be on his best behavior. I have no doubt he's going to have something to say about Texas Tech. Yes, I, I imagine there will be somebody who will just poke the bear and go, hey, Mike, I forgot. How much money do they owe you? <laughs> and then all of a sudden he will take the co- press conference over and it will it will not come back. It will go down that road. Um, and that'll and, and Kirby Hokut, the Texas Tech AD, will be there, I'm sure. And it'll be who had, by the way, Kirby had nothing to do with nothing to do. He with was it. back at Miami when, when the, when Leach gate with Adam James and Craig James all blew up, I guess it's 12 years ago now. It'll be great theater. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's no other way around it. Uh, um, okay. Actual football matchups. Well, I got to go Oregon, Oklahoma, Alamo bowl, um, two teams that, at various points thought they were going to be in the playoff. I don't know who's going to be coaching Oregon necessarily. Bob Stoops is going to be coaching the Sooners. So just, just a lot to be interested in that game. Caleb Williams. I'm going to guess Kayvon Thibodeau is going to opt out. You know, that's the other thing we're going to talk about these games and you don't know who's going to opt out. Right. But um, Oklahoma is such a mess right now. Players are transferring left and right. I don't even know what team is going to show up. But I will say this, knowing Bob Stoops and covering him at the time, this is not a you know hokey thing. Bob Stoops loves bowl games. The I remember visiting there one year and the walls of the hallway right outside of his office was pictures of him and his players at various bowl sites. Not, not the games, like on the river raft in San Antonio or you know whatever events they do. So... I think he'll have those guys ready to play, um, whether they have enough players left to beat Oregon or vice versa, because Oregon certainly limped to the finish. I don't know, but you know that's an interesting one for me. What about you? I'm going to say the Peach Bowl, which is 
a.k.a. the Narduzzi Bowl, Pittsburgh against Narduzzi's old school Michigan State. Kenny Pickett against a Michigan State defense. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that a million yards? Worst possible matchup for Michigan State. Yeah, so I'm I'm very interested to see how that is, um, how that game plays out. I am Michigan State's going to have a month to get ready for for Kenny Pickett and and some really good receivers, and that's that'll be a, uh, that'll be an interesting one. You just called the Mountain West Championship game where Utah State went and 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 I didn't see much of it. No offense, so I'm not really sure how Utah State did to San Diego State's defense, but nobody else did. But San Diego State got a nice consolation prize, in my opinion. The Frisco Bowl on December 21st is going to pit 12 and 1 UTSA against 11 and 2 San Diego State. You don't see that very often. You do not. Um, I was so impressed with Utah State, and I was down there for it. Their coaching staff, Blake Anderson, I think we know how, you know, our listeners are big enough college football fans to know how much of a brutal road he had in the last few years because of not just his wife uh, dying from cancer, but also his dad died from, I believe, emphysema around the same time. So he was through so much, left Arkansas State because just everything around there kind of reminded him of heartache, came out to Utah State, which had all sorts of its own issues with Gary Anderson and, and inside the program was a complete mess. 44 transfers came in, new staff, young staff, and those guys played their asses off. I mean, Ephraim Bonda is the defense coordinator. He was a Manny Diaz guy at Miami, and they get after you. They're small. They make a ton of plays in the backfield. They're really aggressive. You could feel them on the sidelines, and they blew out San Diego State on the road. Um, I thought it was just a really cool thing because there's a couple of Arkansas State transfers, including Logan Bonner, the quarterback, at Utah State who've known Blake Anderson since they were 17. These guys are like six-year seniors. Logan Bonner is going to be a seventh-year senior next year, and he'll be back. So um, I will watch – I will make a point. I don't know if I'll go to this game, but they're going to be in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. It seems kind of of crazy to to say it like that. Um, Come on, you got to go. It's in your backyard. If I'm in town, I will go to the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. They will play – uh, huge Dodger fan, Jonathan Smith's Oregon State Beavers. Jonathan Smith grew up in Pasadena, so he gets to come home. And that game is early. That's December 18th. I think I'm going to go to that game. Awesome. I'll give you another uh, underrated one. Um, Clemson, Iowa State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, by the way, that's not the one that was in Arizona that had that awful Cal TCU game. It by the way, actually, that, that game was not awful. That was glorious. It was epic. It was epic. Yeah, it was not awful. This is the one that used to be called. It has had like 10 different names that used to be called the Champ Sports Bowl, the Russell Athletic Bowl in Orlando. Iowa State Clemson, it's the last hurrah for a whole bunch of guys at Iowa State, right? Brock Purdy, all those great defensive players. They had a disappointing season for sure. They're playing a Clemson team that also had a disappointing season. Um, but Clemson definitely got better as the season went on. I'm, I'm, uh, interested to see what version we get of them, especially since they might not have their longtime defensive coordinator. Yes, we expect uh, this has been rumored for a, been in the works for a couple of days. Brent Venables to be moving back to Oklahoma, where he his career really kind of took off, and 
uh, as we reported at the Athletics Sunday morning, OU Brass had flown there to meet with him to hopefully finalize the deal. So I imagine by the time this comes out, that will be a thing. Um, but that's uh, there can be a, could be a lot of changes because Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator, there's two schools in the ACC that are pursuing him uh, to some degree, and that's Virginia and Duke. So Davos Winnie may have to replace both coordinators this year. Which, you know, the way the season went, I think some of the Clemson fans want him to replace Tony Elliott. So that could work out well for both parties. But but you can't uh, – I mean, Brent Venables has been as integral to the Clemson mini dynasty as any coordinator could possibly be. I mean, year after year after year, they, they put out dominant defenses, this year included. Um, it's an interesting move by Bob uh, – by, by Joe Castiglione – it would be, you know, oftentimes with these blue blood schools, right? The notion is it's too big a job to hire a coordinator. You know, you got to have an experienced head coach. This would be the third straight time that he's uh, hiring a coordinator from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables. So it would be, um, and Brent Venables, by the way, for years, people wonder why, why isn't he becoming a head coach? Why, is, why doesn't he go to Kansas State, his uh, alma mater? Why doesn't he go to uh, this place, that place? And finally leaving for, you know, one of the biggest jobs in the country. Yeah. Well, there's, this was a little bit of a left turn on the, on the coaching carousel. There's been a few of them, but, uh, but, you know, look happy for him because there's been plenty of opportunities where he's not jumped at it. We knew he was, we knew he loved it in Clemson, South Carolina. So, you know, this is, this would be an interesting hire because he's got his work cut out for him to keep a lot of these guys from, from jumping ship. I feel like all of the unwritten rules about the coaching carousel just went completely out the window this year. You know, um, as we speak, Miami is trying to hire a coach for a job that is not actually open. Um, maybe that'll be resolved by the time people hear this, but what a, just a terrible way to treat your coach. You know, you want to run out Manny Diaz. Okay. Fire him. Don't leave him twisting in the wind while everybody and their mother knows you're negotiating with Mario Cristobal. And if he turns you down, your plan is to just tell Manny to keep going. I mean, that's, and he's out there recruiting, you know, doing home visits. And I'm sure the kids and the parents are on Twitter and they, they know what's going on there. It's just, uh, this business has become so cutthroat. And I just think that's, you know, terrible way to treat somebody. I would agree. You know, you know, they just took a, got a commitment like, like yesterday on top of that. So it is a crazy situation. I mean, we've talked about this on the on the podcast for a while that we thought that or we were expecting them to try to get Mario Cristobal. And if they couldn't, this was going to be the backup. What I did not anticipate was this would drag on as much as it did. I really thought that they would be like, okay, we're going to be able to make this happen. We're going to end up parting ways with, with Manny Diaz. But instead... Here we are, and you got you got the head coach of the program. Who, by the way, they played really hard for him. I think you know the numbers are they have the second most wins of anybody in the ACC over his three years behind Clemson. But at this point, it feels like a moot point. It's really the balls in Mario Cristobal's court. How badly does he want to come home? What if I told you before the season that the following schools would all change coaches in the same year: USC, LSU. Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Florida, and Miami. I, I, there's a few of them that wouldn't surprise me. 
I the Oklahoma one, the only reason why I would have thought that might have happened was if he went to the NFL. Right. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm saying we knew. Certainly, we knew going into the year if things went wrong for Ogeron, he might be out. And honestly, if you throw Washington in there, I mean, Jimmy Lake was coming off one yeah, year. Yeah, that, that one. I mean, certainly never in a million years, I think, this that Dan Mullen would get fired for performance. Just to have that many marquee jobs come open in the same year and all the dominoes that resulted from it. Oh, and, oh by the way, throw in there David Cutcliffe retired. Bronco Mendenhall stepped down. Uh, it's just been... Uh, and uh, Washington State fires Nick Rolovich. Didn't know that was coming. Uh, it's just been a relentless coaching carousel. It has, but college football never ceases to to bewilder us at times, right? So, real uh, quick, the Heisman will be this weekend, and like I said earlier, I think we know who's going to win at this point. That was about as definitive a closing statement as Bryce Young could make. If you had to guess, though, who else will be in New York? If I had to guess, this would be the group. Uh, it would be Bryce Young. I think Kenneth Walker. He definitely deserves a spot. Uh, I could see some combination of the of these defensive players: Aiden Hutchinson and Will Anderson. Uh, and then the question is: Is there a Kenny Pickett or is there a uh, Matt Corral? I feel like that's the group. Yeah, I think. Um, I think. Aiden Hutchinson will be there. I think he got a lot of attention from the Ohio State game. Um, I think Will Anderson should be there, but probably ends up getting overshadowed too much by his own quarterback. Kenny Pickett probably played his way there uh, by winning the ACC, by being a big name because of NFL uh, attention. So let's see how many... And I, Kenneth Walker, I think, will still be there, although it feels like he's been forgotten a little bit ever since the Ohio State game. So how many would that be if you get... Um, Bryce Young, Hutchinson, Pickett, Walker, four guys. Ke- Kenneth Walker should be there. I mean, average six yards a carry, over six yards a carry, sixteen hundred yards for a program that was pretty dismal last year, and then went ten and two. He belongs. He belongs there. there. I mean, you fill out three spots on your ballot, so you know. And I don't think it's one of those things where sometimes there's only three. Are finalists. you allowed to say? If there's. Are you allowed to at least say who would be on your one of your? Well, I'm not allowed to. Or, They'll take my vote away, remember? Mm. Gotta, gotta, mum's the word. Um, no, I'm just thinking it through here. I, I think, I don't think it's gonna be only three finalists. It might be more than four because none of these other it guys we're mentioning are so obvious that they'll be on every ballot. If I was ESPN, I would invite, I would make sure they try to have It's not six. their call. It's, uh, it should be their call. It's, it's the Heisman Trust. It's not exactly like this is like the brain trust. I mean, they can do whatever. The Heisman Trust is, um, say what you will about the, the people who run the CFP or the NCAA or you name, the people that run the Heisman Trust run it like it's still 1942. The rules are the rules. Wherever the, basically wherever there's a gap in the voting is where they'll cut off the number of finalists. And I don't if know ESPN where that'll said, be. look, help us out. We we don't want we don't want our show to be a little more a little more uh, engaged. Don't you think they would have done that by now? Like some of those years where they had an hour long show and only three finalists. Surely they would have loved to have had a fourth finalist there. The only year where like I suspected they, they did that then. was Tim Tebow's senior year, when he really had no business even being a finalist after they got crushed by Alabama. He was like fifth place and just got to come along, um, but. I don't know who would be next. Like of those names we just said, I can't even really think of somebody who would be. 
Oh, duh. CJ Stroud. He'll be okay. there. We we just blanked. He'll be there. Um, so, yeah. I would say he'd be there. I think Pickett will be there. Actually, I'm not 100% sure Kenneth Walker will be there. I hope he is. Um, but I feel, like, I feel like the events of the last couple weeks in the Big Ten were, you know, CJ Stroud had that huge game to knock Kenneth Walker out, and then Aiden Hutchinson knocked CJ Stroud out. We shall see. We'll find out soon enough, Stu. As always, send your questions to the audible pod at gmail.com, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.